0: Welcome to the Voices of Young People podcast, brought to you by Springtide Research Institute. In each episode, we hear directly from young people as they respond to our research and share about the issues impacting their lives. As sociologists and researchers, we see a new story unfolding for young people, one that moves beyond traditional institutional boundaries and requires careful attention to the inner and outer lives of emerging generations. At the intersection of being and becoming, it's the voices of young people.
1: Hello and welcome back to season seven. This again is Marta Abawaji. I'm the head of community engagement at Springtide. And we are really enjoying this series because it coincides with our mental health and Gen Z focus. We have a number of research products that are coming out um, because we are deep diving into the ways that young people um, are looking for more mental health positive spaces and environments. And we're looking to equip and empower trusted adults, whether that's educators or faith leaders, parents, caretakers, employers. We want those different spaces and those different trusted adults to feel like they can really make their environment more mental health friendly. And the two guests we have today are wonderful young people they're both springtide ambassadors we have chris in georgia and zainab in ohio and i'm i'm delighted to bring this conversation to you now so i'll have zainab will you introduce yourself for us
2: yes hi everyone my name is zainab i live in ohio i'm 24 years old i graduated from ohio state in 2020 um, with a public health degree um, I am a practicing Muslim and I'm Moroccan. I was actually born in Morocco and moved here when I was about two years old. And my favorite hobby right now is um running a radio, a hip hop focused radio show with my friend Ferdosa.
1: So awesome. I really am excited once you guys start archiving episodes to tune in to that. To that hip hop hip hop radio show, or maybe I can even tune in live sometime. But I'm really glad to have to have you here, Chris. Will you introduce yourself as well?
3: Hi, I'm uh, I'm Chris. I'm 20. Um, I'm in Georgia. I go to Emory University. I'm a junior there, and I'm studying neuroscience and behavioral biology on the pre med track. Um, I'm Episcopalian, although I like like to get spiritual guidance from wherever I can find it. And I really like listening to music. I'm also a fan of hip hop and I like playing guitar.
1: So cool. And just the natural commonality that already starts coming out is it's been really fun in all of these podcast episodes to see where different young people, whether they know each other a little bit or whether they're meeting for the first time that there's sometimes just new similar affinities that people discover about one another. So in in the phrase mental health like as soon as you hear that what are those first word associations that come to mind for you?
3: For me, I think mental health is like really related to like overall well-being and stress because when I'm very stressed my mental health can be in a more iffy space um and then that kind of like can eclipse other aspects of my well-being. And when I am super stressed, then I'm less likely to like get outside and go for runs and stuff. And it's all all very interconnected for me.
2: Yeah, I agree with Chris. Um, I just think of like social well-being in your overall social state. Sadly, a lot of negative terms come to mind when I think of mental health, even though your mental health can be in a good state. Um, So I think of kind of the more negative connotations that come with mental health.
1: Yeah, I hear that. I, I think those first associations are, are telling a lot of, in terms of where people are getting messages about mental health. And I'm sure there's multiple places, but yeah, where where are some of the spaces that you hear the mental health conversation happening?
2: Um, right now, for me, it's just mostly social media. A lot of social media um, pages will just talk about mental health Um how to take care of your mental health? Um, I watch some like YouTube videos often, but I also feel like a lot of workspaces and um schools, universities, and high schools are kind of tuning into um, how to better mental health for the people in the um, association.
1: I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. That's been your experience so far. What about you, Chris?
3: Yeah, I definitely agree that social media is the main place. I also like try to follow a really diverse, um, swath of like people and people that are experiencing all types of like mental health conditions. And I think because of that, Instagram will target me with like PTSD and depression, like ads and services and like in to be involved in studies, which I think is interesting that they know that I'm following like all these various accounts. Um, in in college all the syllabi have our syllabuses have little sections that talk about mental health resources on campus because um college is a very stressful place and i'm not sure the exact statistic but the amount of people that go through a mental health crisis when they go to college like increases drastically um but sometimes it just feels like that's more like a box to check and then it's like all right now we need to like cram as much information into your heads
1: yeah i can see that i can see how like it could just start feeling like every syllabus mentions this, but I still feel like that's cool. Emory. Like I, I haven't heard about that from other universities. Did Ohio state have anything like that on different syllabus having a section about mental health Zainab?
2: I don't think they had a section about mental health, um, that I remember, but now I think, um, they're kind of trying to push that, um, on to a lot of students, even though the counseling services on campus kind of still suck. It's kind of impossible to get um, an appointment with one of like the free counselors that they offer. So um, they're trying, but it's just a really big university. And yeah, like, is. I think everyone wants um, those services, but they're not very accessible right now.
1: So it's like a capacity issue, yeah. I wonder I wonder how much even COVID realities have made young people pursue those mental health services more at their schools. But yeah, it sounds like universities there's the conversation is happening more and more at universities across the nation, but in what manner and to what degree are those services readily available? It seems to have a lot of different variation. If if you are worried about a friend's mental health, either in a university setting, since we were referencing that a bit, or just in life, um, either one or, or your own, who would you turn to for help?
3: Um, I will say that like a lot of teachers sometimes like want to emphasize the fact that students can come talk to them and reach out to them. I also would say that I would reach out to their family. That's sometimes what I've done just to see if the family like knows what's going on or if yeah. something like this has happened in the past and like, um, to get them plugged into their support system as much as possible. Um, and honestly, just reach out to them directly to see if they need, need something to listen to or to talk to or someone to distract them.
1: Yeah, so being that f- direct friend who sometimes can hold things and sometimes bringing in a wider network or a wider circle. What about you, Zainab?
2: Um, yeah, I agree with Chris. Um, just kind of connecting them to people Um, not professionally that I know that can help them um, kind of be in the right space um, to help them with their mental health and discuss it with their family of course I would want to get their consent first because I know um, sometimes it's hard having that conversation with your family um, Mm -hmm. especially if they don't know much about mental health and I'm fortunate enough to have worked in like some social services in the past where I know where people can get like Um, free or like really cheap counseling services here in Columbus. So sometimes I'll offer to put in like a referral for them for that as well.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I know that like community care and community healthcare and all the dynamics of that are such a big priority for you. So that's pretty cool to hear that you've even done some direct referrals for professional support and that there is, it sounds like a some sort of cost scale. Um, Mm -hmm. That that's something that other guests have mentioned sometimes of like, well, I'd love to refer someone to professional support, but sometimes there is a barrier just in terms of being able to afford that. Um, So whenever there are those special interventions, it's so whether that's a university setting or um, in broader community health, it's really great to hear that um, people are resourcing one another. Besides these sort of like connections to other entities, I'm thinking about your own mental health and what you do if you're feeling particularly stressed or particularly down or you, you fill in the blank in your head of, of what it is that um, makes you feel like your mental health is in flux in some way. What do you do? Are there activities that you feel like you can turn to?
2: Yeah, I like to be in a state of flow. I think that really helps me. Um, So I go through periods where there are activities that help me. I know Chris is also a runner. I really like running as well. Um, I think that puts me in a state of flow or like listening to a podcast or even music, um, spending time with friends. Um, So I just I think just clearing my head from everything is the best way for me to um, kind of cope with whatever I'm going through.
3: Yeah, I've trained myself to kind of like figure out what's going on. So if I start feeling like a little bit out of balance, I'll be like, okay, have I had enough to drink today? Have I eaten enough? Have I like, is there some nutritious thing that I can eat that will like make me feel better? Have I slept enough and then trying to find something to point to? And um. It's really helpful for me to get exercise or to talk to a friend. Um, I also really enjoy like playing guitar and just kind of getting lost in, in, in that and being able to um, meditate on that and kind of follow a train of thought and focusing on my breath and breath work is also something that can be really helpful specifically if I'm like trying to fall asleep and then I'm worried about the next day's events.
1: Yeah. Move movement seems like it's big for both of you, but yeah, the, the breath, the breath work that I don't know if that's come up in the episodes I've recorded so far yet, but, um, we, we did an Instagram live with, um, with the therapist who talked a lot about breath work in terms of anxiety and stress. She, she co-created this support deck, um, of cards that, Um, You can kind of pull pull a different card based on how you're feeling and quite a few of them relate to breathing and, and different ways of centering in on your breathing. So that's that's great to hear that. That's a practice you rely on. Just a quick break to give a shout out. Springtide is able to offer this podcast because of donors who make our research and actionable insights possible. Katie, a youth worker, recently wrote us saying, one of my favorite discoveries of the previous year has been Springtide Research Institute. I love sharing their work with fellow youth leaders and mentors. Their latest book, Work Life, is quite insightful. You can see more of our current findings on our website, springtideresearch.org, where you can also make your own tax deductible donation, with a variety of giving options. Now, back to the episode. When it comes to the research we're releasing, um, some of it is already in motion. Some of it will even continue to come out in 2023. We um, we are focusing on connections, expectations, and purpose as some of the driving themes we're examining, and. We, we know that connections um, are major for mental health in terms of just the more um, someone is integrated into a sense of community and the ways that their mental health is upheld in various communities. So I'm wondering with, with all the different communities you both are a part of, whether that's a sh- social setting, a faith setting, a work setting, a school setting, uh, a place you volunteer, whatever it might be, is there someone in one of those places that you trust to talk to about mental health? Um, and, and maybe that's a trusted adult or, or maybe it's a peer, but if there is that person, w- why, why can you turn to them?
3: So I recently just got my EMT basic certification. So I can officially say that I'm an EMT and through the process of uh, training it's definitely something that's emphasized is that the instructors are people that you can come and talk to and the importance of debriefing, particularly stressful calls because you you're there for people at very stressful and emotionally exhausting times. And it's interesting to really see the way that our generation, um, views this type of thing versus like older service providers. Cause we had an ER doctor come in and I asked him about burnout because, that's such a huge thing going on now, especially with COVID and like being a college student is very stressful. Being on the pre-med track is very stressful and, um, college is more expensive than it's ever been. So it can feel like there's a lot riding on every test. Um, and he's like, yeah, like, we didn't really think about burnout when I was your age age, just like work and get through it. But now it's really something that we need to focus on because so many um, service providers are leaving the field because they are so burnt out. Um, but yeah, so having people that have made it clear that they're available to talk. Sorry, my cat just wanted to make herself known. We love it. <laughs> um yeah, I lost my turn of thought. Sorry about that.
1: No, you're good. You're yeah, just talking about burnout and and service providers who who say, Hey, come come debrief with me. Um, I I think that's tremendous that there's like an expectation of that. That there's Uh, that the system wants you to have someone to unpack things with because that has to be high stress and has the potential to just come upon a lot of different traumatic situations I imagine
3: yes most definitely it's um it's it's really nice to be able to debrief with people that can understand it and maybe like learn something from it for the next time um yeah
1: that's great
2: um I also agree with Chris a lot of the people I do end up talking to and kind of venting to about my mental health and just feel comfortable going to have been like older people that I've worked with in like random jobs that I've had in the past um for me for some reason it's just easier to talk about those things with people who are kind of like not in my social um Mm -hmm. circle um and yeah I don't they give me great advice and they make me feel comfortable maybe because we are working in the same setting experiencing a lot of the same things and also I feel like when they um give me advice it's not very like biased because they don't uh, they don't have like such a close relationship with me, so I feel like getting advice from people who are further away from you is better. I would really love to kind of go to um someone within like my faith like community, but I don't think we have those resources lined up here yet. Or maybe I'm just not like super involved in the community. Um, I know I had support from. Um, my peers um, at the Muslim Student Association when I was at Ohio State. Um, but I definitely think we can do better um, when it comes to mental health and supporting each other through um, those specific things.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you you bring up a multiple facets. But I think just initially your perspective on someone being like a few steps removed from who you're doing life with day in, day out. Um, you said outside of your social circle, I believe that that's a really, I think, interesting perspective that I don't hear a lot That is um, is really great for our listeners to hear because I think sometimes people think, well, I'm not like that young person's actual mentor. I'm not their like favorite professor or, You know, I'm just I know them a little bit through this work setting or this volunteer group. You still have a really significant, important role to play potentially. Like what Zainab is saying is that those those are the people she's looking to first, like who have she has a positive association with them, but they might not be her go to for other aspects of life. But they still have imparted a lot of wisdom or empathy. Am I am I getting that right, Zainab? No, yeah, exactly. I I I really think that that perspective it's bringing a lot of light bulb moments for me is is so important to hear of just a, in terms of how a trusted adult can can be that trusted person even when they might not see themselves as that. They might expect that that you can have such an impact. So, and and what you're saying about faith communities, I mean, as we're recording, there's um this episode will of course release after this, but the 14th annual Muslim mental health conference is happening this weekend, um, I just learned about. So I feel like there are f- so many faith communities that are taking mental health on in new ways, but the fact that this is a 14th annual conference, it's held in Michigan, uh, I think at Michigan State, is, is significant and um, the ways that some of the research being presented there is hopefully going farther and farther into to faith communities. So um, I feel like other groups are like, they're at the 14th annual level yet. You know, like it's sometimes still a newer conversation happening. So I hope that um, the, those conversations will, will keep spreading into some of the networks and communities you find yourself in as well. Cause it seems like there's some really good intentional work happening. With mm-hmm. with expectations and um, one of the other driving things we have in our research, um, I'm wondering if you feel like, in a workplace setting or in a school place setting, that it's like, oh, this is the ideal person. Like this is the person who seems like everything's balanced for them and everything's working out, and they're able to meet expectations and I'm not able to be that ideal person, or this is what it would look like to, to be the ideal person. I, I asked that because I think expectations can work. Um, we've heard from young people, they can really help in the mental health space, having positive expectations, knowing what you're working towards. And then there's also this like ideal person pressure <laughs> that, uh, makes expectations sometimes more harmful on mental health. Can you can you speak to a situation um in either direction where expectations are helpful or harmful?
2: Um I think they are helpful when you are expected to build a relationship with your coworkers and colleagues. Um, and work as a team. I think in that sense, that also really helps my mental health, just because I know other people that are working in the same environment, kind of going through the same things that I am. So when I'm expected to build relationships with uh, my coworkers, I feel like it, it always betters my mental health in that setting. Um, and then harmful, um, it's just kind of working yourself to reach a state of burnout. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of jobs are expecting more just because um, of the state that we're still in um, right now. So working outside of work hours, um, taking on more responsibilities than you were hired to do, um, those are all harmful things for my mental health.
3: Yeah, I think expectations is definitely a double-edged sword, um, especially with social media, where it's very easy to compare yourself to the life that other people are presenting to you and seeing that, oh, this person is traveling and is abroad and in Paris and eating amazing food. And this person like, just had an, a, such a wonderful birthday party. And I just like, was in the library studying or something because I am mm-hmm. expected to study X amount of hours to be able to pursue the type of career that I want and get the grades that I want. Um, I also think that expectations can be beneficial when you're expected to sometimes show up at a certain place in time and you're like held to that. So that even if you might not necessarily feel like um, doing something, like just the act of showing up sometimes can be enough to to change a direction. Um, But. Yeah, it really it really depends.
1: So the the third aspect of of our research that I mentioned is purpose, and in in this regard, I'm curious if you feel like having a connection to something bigger than yourself, um, however you might th- define that, whether that's within your faith system, whether that's in a community setting, or a cause or a movement, if if that sense of purpose has an impact on your mental health, and if so, how?
2: That's a pretty deep question. I know <laughs>
1: it is, right?
2: Yeah. Um, I 100% think it does have an effect on my mental health. Um, being Uh, Muslim, being a first gen, being an immigrant, I think all of that kind of helps me get through it just to know that there are other people just like me going through this and have gone through it that I can talk to Um, just being a part of like a niche community. um, It's kind of easy, easier for me to find um, mentors and peers and friends um, that I feel like just really understand me um yeah i think it just helps me all around just knowing and just turning to um for me god or like religious scripts or watching religious videos um helps me understand that i am um a part of a much bigger thing um so that's mine chris
3: Yeah, purpose is definitely something that when I'm struggling, I can like tie myself back to. Um, Especially when like when you work in the lab doing bench work, it's a lot of like pipetting small volumes, putting something from one vial to another, and there's a lot of waiting. But really, what what drove what drove me to continue research was hearing about first person accounts of people that developed like very rare neurodegenerative diseases and how they progressively lost like everything that that makes us like fundamentally human and being able to tie my work back to eventually like helping people and ideally curing curing Alzheimer's or other neurodegenerative diseases is something that really drives me Um, and I I definitely think that there's a religious element in that I believe that everyone's given gifts and like we should should use them to our best ability
1: Wow. You both are so inspiring. Just that answering that deep, like you said, Zainab, it does get deep, but that question alone, I feel like illuminates so many different paths of, of purpose and the ways that it is such driving and connecting factors for you both. When it comes to your generation, Gen Z, do you feel like you guys think about mental health differently than previous generations?
3: Yeah, I think this kind of goes back to a little bit about the answer that I already talked about with um, like the older generation of EMTs talking about how like mental health wasn't really talked about as much and how that has kind of led to burnout. But I think our generation is very much more aware of all the ways in which the things aren't great and the things are bad. And the, the culture of social media and spam accounts definitely kind of normalizes like tweeting out your every thought and t- telling everyone how, how terrible things are when they're terrible, um, especially in like middle school or high school. Um, but I'm not sure how that's going to continue to change and evolve as Gen Z ages. But I definitely think that it's different for our generation than generations in the past.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think now almost every conversation like starts with mental health. Um, It's so normal to talk about now that it's kind of like become a joke on the Internet. Um, There's a lot of like memes around mental health, but it's also like a really serious topic. I think we do take it uh, very seriously. It's just like easier to talk about now without feeling like you're being judged or like you're the only one going through something in the room
1: yeah the fact that there can be jokes about it you're right like just shows how much more ubiquitous it is compared to maybe other generations where it was like don't you
3: don't talk about it or you don't even acknowledge that it's a thing yeah I also mm-hmm. think there is sometimes a difference between what is like normalized on the internet and what is normalized in your like niche community and then if you got into the real world or someone who isn't like in that same community can like do a double take and you like like you cannot joke about that or like how would you say that and sometimes that kind of reveals like those differences um when you slip up and you're you're like oh this person does not know where I'm coming from when I say that
2: yeah I've definitely had those experiences before
1: (laughs) that is real I I think you both represent a multitude of communities and so I, I imagine there's there's ways you're gonna talk about mental health differently with peers than with a professor, than with a workplace in per person or a family member, et cetera. But the fact that you both are, are talking about it so much, I think also sets your generation apart. Um, it's not just that you're seeing the messages, it's, it's embedded clearly um, from all the examples you've provided today. It's embedded in the ways that you're seeing the world and you're seeking support for yourself and, and for the people you care about if you were doing a mental health conversation interview, like we've just had, um, is there a question that I didn't ask that you feel like is really important to bring into the conversation?
2: Hmm. Um, I think a, uh, good one would be like just to scale our mental health just so you can kind of get a feel of where we're answering these questions from like um am i on the better end or am i on the worse end um during this interview i feel like my answers would definitely be a little different um, i don't know about you chris
0: i
3: like that hundred percent i um I have, I just had a couple exams that I finished up and I have another exam on Monday and stuff. So I'm, I'm a little bit stressed about that stuff, but I'm, I'm pretty good comparatively to, to how things could be, I guess. Mm-hmm.
1: Have you both heard the, of when people like say, how's the weather in your world today and to rate your mental health in tandem with like a storm or a bit of flurries or, or whatever, or maybe it's just like a spring spring rainbow emerging, you know, like people give different weather descriptors of how they're coming in and out of different um, variations in their mental health. Are you familiar with that type of rating? I I've
3: never heard that, heard that but, but that really sounds like that. very, yeah. very endearing.
1: Okay. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that could be helpful. Maybe we'll bring it into a tide ambassadors meeting. As I mentioned, uh, Chris and Zainab, both are ambassadors for Springtide. We're so lucky to have their inputs. Chris, did you have one last question you wanted to bring
3: in? Uh, at the moment, I can't really think of anything. Um, maybe I i guess, what do you wish, like, if you could say something to yourself when you were at a mentally low point, like, what would you say? And if I were to answer that, I would probably just, like, tell myself that I'm, like, I, I can get through it and that I'm stronger than I think I am. And that like, I like you can grow and continue to grow despite challenges that you face.
1: That's a good, that is a good last word to end on. I really want to thank you both for lending um, such wonderful, illuminating examples from both of your, your stories and perspectives and look forward to the ways that this conversation will be woven in with with all the others from season seven thank you again
0: thank you for having us Marta.
3: yeah thank you so much this was great
0: visit springtideresearch.org to hear more voices of young people and to learn about the latest research and resources available in our mental health and gen z series springtide research institute is supported by donors who believe in the critical research and insight generating work we do on behalf of young people Make your own tax-deductible donation with a variety of giving options on our website today. Be sure to follow us on social media at WeAreSpringtide and interact with the resources in the Springtide series on mental health by using the hashtag Z. Today's show was produced by Marta Abouadji. The audio was mixed by Andy Palmer with original music created by high school student Christian Unthink. Special thanks to the 16 guests featured in season seven and to all the young people whose perspectives and insights make our research possible. Thank you for listening.